Welcome to this other episode of uh, The Little Breakfast, and I'm pleased to say that I'm joined uh, this morning, just about this morning, I think, with um, by Jim Paul. Hi, Jim, how are you? Hi, I'm, I'm doing well, thank you. Also, I say James Paul, that's, that's your author's name now, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you my wife prefers James. So. <laughs> you didn't put an initial, if you've got a middle name, you didn't put the initial in I could, I, yeah, I do have a middle name, but it's a bit embarrassing, <laughs> so I'm not putting it it's in there. It's a bit embarrassing. We well, could have put, like, you know, J.R. Tolkien, just put an initial <laughs> in the middle. But anyway, it's gone now. You, you, yeah, you have a book, done. Um, yep. What on Earth is Heaven? And we're going to be thinking about um, that subject as we uh, chat today. And uh, obviously, it's, it's a massive um, subject, but a really important subject. So mm. I thought just, just before we get into the meat of talking about um, what on earth heaven is uh, firstly we'll talk a bit about your breakfast choices in just a moment or two as we do with other <laughs> guests but I thought it'd be quite helpful. To that. Yeah, I thought it'd be helpful to um, just for those people who don't know you um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself yes I'm the director of the English library library fellowship which is an uh, apologetics ministry started by Francis and Edith Schaefer in Switzerland, uh, which is why it's got the, the French name Labri. It's not a cheese. It, mean, it means the shelter. And yeah. they, they started Labri as, as really a shelter for anyone who comes and, and particularly a shelter for people to ask their questions in. So uh, the Labri I work in is in Hampshire in England, and we welcome people from all over the world to yeah, ask questions about the truth and the relevance of the Christian faith. And uh, yeah, I've been there with my wife, Marin and our two sons for 17 years. And before that, uh, I was a doctor in palliative care. So I, I worked in a hospice and trained in hospice care in London. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did that for around five years before coming to Labrie. So what was the transition from palliative care doctor to being at Labrie? I don't quite, um, I've never asked you that question before, so I'm generally <laughs> interested in what, what was that transition? How did that come about? Well, I, yeah, I suppose that's a sort of multifaceted um, answer to that. But I, you know, even while I was training as a doctor, I mean, I became a Christian about a few years before going to university. And then even when I was training as a doctor, and then I was junior doctor, I always had this other part of me that was interested in um ideas and in theology and in apologetics and in asking questions and thinking things through and uh during my medical student years i, I came across labry and i went there when i was a student and it was just an amazing place to visit where i could i had you know as a fairly new christian i had all these questions that i wanted to ask and i often found that in church settings Unfortunately, people weren't that keen on answering those questions. Maybe they didn't know the answers or, you know, they thought, oh, you're, you know, you're doubting if you're asking that or you're going to make other people doubt. And then I suddenly discovered this place, Labrie, where, you know, they, they welcome you to ask questions. And so I went there and I had all these questions to ask. And, you know, that just put Labrie on the radar for me, but also as a, a, I guess you could say, sort of spiritual home where I felt, yes, this is a place where 
um, you know, I, I can really just work through these issues mm. and also experience another, another thing about Labrie is trying to practice the Lordship of Christ over all of life. So it's a very, um, yeah, sort of holistic in that sense, uh, all mm. of life place to see the spirituality of all of life. So that, that was kind of one stream. And then the other stream is, I suppose, when, when I was working with people who were dying, what, one of the things that people tell you um, often, you know, I, I, I kind of, I learned so much from people who are dying because they often reflect on their life and there's, you know, it's such wisdom to be had there. And one of the things that people often say is, oh, I wish I'd taken a few more risks in life. You know, I like, I, I, I just, you know, did this all my life and I didn't really ask any questions or think, what if I did that or tried that? And, um, you know, that, that made a real mark on me. And so I, I got to the stage where I was actually a consultant in palliative care and just, just had finished all my specialist training. And I just had that question, you know, well, yeah, what if I tried something different? What if, um, you know, I, I just, you know, um, yeah, you know, took a risk. And so that led me and my wife eventually to come to Labrie, again, just as, as students, as it were, to learn and grow um and just see where the lord was leading us and eventually that was to to actually work in Labrie. so that, anyway those are some of the dynamics there's much yeah, more no, that, that's really that. it's really interesting um, no, I, th I think that's already yeah. relevant and i think particularly relevant for where we are as we record this you know uh, still in a pandemic and and thinking about everyone i think everyone's thinking about the reality of death more plus um yeah. change and risk and adjustments and i think that's really interesting yeah. Yeah, I think I think people are dying. Apparently, the the most common things they say is, "I wish I'd been a lot less attached to material things, mm. and I wish I'd taken more risks, tried yeah. something, you know." Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, and that's great. All my lives, and and certainly Labrie has been a great um, help in in my life in terms of the writings of Francis Schaeffer and. Mm. Um, mm. Ellis Potter and knowing him and we've had him up here a couple of times and also um, being able to uh, connect with you and hear you at different conferences and uh, it's just um, really an encouraging place I, I was able to visit I can't remember maybe about 12 years ago I think I came down for right. a week and um, yes yeah, it's great to be able to to um, be a recipient of that ministry that you're involved in it's certainly um, really helpful so thanks for all you're doing there and now we're going to get on to some breakfast questions <laughs> <laughs> so um just in terms of your average day breakfast jim what does it look like for you my average day breakfast is uh homemade granola that, that my wife Marin makes and i have attempted making it while she was away in south africa recently uh so homemade granola i usually we usually chop some fruit into it with uh, yogurt milk yeah and it has to have twinings everyday tea <laughs> in my favorite mug which i can hold up for oh, you yeah, see, yeah, yeah. which is made by um a dear friend of ours he's a potter oh nice uh, just justine jenner and yeah. um yeah so i have to have tea mm. that's my morning mug and it has to be twinings yeah. everyday tea that that looks a great mug actually uh, i'm quite aware of the importance of mugs and the shape of them because yeah. i get the impression you're a tea man not a coffee man is that right i am actually that that is true that is yeah. true although yeah. i do like a coffee you know 
on the odd occasion. To kind of, <laughs> okay, yeah, because I picked I picked that up from your book when you were talking about. I was thinking if if Jim is a real coffee man, he would have spoken about coffee more. But yeah, I'm more of a coffee yeah, man. I like tea, but but I think equally the mug is important for both because um, my son is a a, a barista and special speciality coffee. Oh, wow, yeah. and he he's got a podcast. <clears throat> There was one whole episode about mugs and the importance of mugs and how they influence taste. <laughs> right, absolutely. So I've yeah, noticed yeah. your mug is a good shape. I think that's that's a. Is that right? Is it a good shape? For, yeah, it's a good shape for tasting. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think if and it's, it's long, really beautiful too. It's long and thin, or it's very manufactured. You for some right. reason it doesn't taste the same. But anyway, interesting. You know, we learn something new every day, don't we? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what about your nightmare breakfast? What would be like a really horrible? I breakfast? think my nightmare breakfast is not to have breakfast. I'm not in a way, I, I like lots of different foods. And yeah. um, so I'd, I'd be happy with, you know, olives and salami or I don't know, <laughs> anything really. Yeah. Um, uh, but just not to have breakfast. I'm also one of those people yeah. who gets really grumpy if I don't eat regularly. Yeah. So not having breakfast would would be my my worst breakfast. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I think when when you're sort of a teenager, I don't know, just you sort of couldn't be bothered whether I had breakfast or not. But I think every five years you get older, it just seems like I, I couldn't survive <laughs> without breakfast. Um, what about? I've always been. I'm a hobbit. I'm a hobbit. One <laughs> breakfast, preferably two. To yeah. start the day is the best. <laughs> so what about your dream breakfast and where would it be i have to say my dream breakfast actually does exist i don't know so it's not just a dream but it is <laughs> you and see i have to be careful when i speak to somebody from Brie. you see i need to be very exact you see yes so hypothetically <laughs> okay. okay it I'm is just... Um, there is a pub near us, which which I'm not going to name because I don't want you to go there and everyone <laughs> fill it up, and then I won't be able to go there because it doesn't have many seats. But and it's it's actually it's got a beer garden that's on the banks of the River Meon, which is beautiful. So it would definitely have to be a summertime yeah. and and a morning breakfast. And they do this amazing. It's like poached egg yeah. on um, fresh homemade bread. They also have a bakery at the yeah. pub, so they do their own bread, and then it has panacetta ham. Okay. And the most gorgeous um, black pudding. Oh, interesting. Fried black pudding, which is absolutely delicious. Yeah. And of course, you have to have it with HP sauce. <laughs> not, not, not any other brown sauce, but HP, because yeah. that, that is <clears throat> an, an absolute must. And that would be my dream breakfast. Yeah. You, so it, it, it exists in reality and you would, you would have that as your ultimate. Yeah. Um, do you know where the black pudding comes from by any chance? Oh, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say storm, storm away, storm away. Well, that apparently is that is apparently the best black pudding. I mean, I'm a black is pudding it? fan. Apparently, it is the best. Yeah, prize winner. Okay. Yeah. On, okay. The, on the island. I may have made that up because I, I probably associate that name with black pudding. So <laughs> anyway, but, you, you can double yeah. check. Yeah. <laughs> Next um, time I go. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's a dream breakfast, so it's not it's not real anyway but yeah whether it's some stone <laughs> away or not but yeah but the, the real one you have is down the road so that's great yeah okay so having had our starter questions with the breakfast thinking about the main meat of the subject um, <laughs> what on earth is heaven uh, you've written a book um, what on earth is heaven so where did that question or title come from like how did that come about what what was the process there um, 
Yeah, I, I came up with the title about 10 years ago when I did a, actually was doing a lecture for the Libri students. Um, and the first time I did the lecture, I was, um, it was a lecture about heaven and earth. I called it something like the boundary between heaven and earth or something, which wasn't a very exciting title. <laughs> and then I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or what happened the next time I gave it. I was just talking with someone, I think, and this, 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 this um, title, you know, what on earth is heaven popped into my head. And, and then that became what the lecture was and then the book. And I, I think the origins of the, the book start back, you know, maybe 25, 28, 30 years ago. And I, I tell in the, in the beginning of the book, this story of, which is a, is a true story about being on an aeroplane, um, going to Warsaw. And I was um, a medical student at the time and going to do a sort of mission trip for medical students just after the, the, the Berlin Wall came down. Mm. And I, I, I'm not so bad now, but I did have a kind of phobia about flying. I didn't really like flying. And and my friend who'd booked the trip booked it from London City Airport. So we flew in this tiny little, well, it seemed to me he was tiny. It actually wasn't that small, propeller plane. Oh, yeah. Uh, run by Lot Airways, which <laughs> wasn't, you know, kind of the most reliable sort of most communist airline. Yeah. So as you do, I was contemplating dying <laughs> and, the, you know, the plane crashing. And, yeah. and I, I was a Christian, you know, and I knew I was going to go to heaven if I died. That was Jesus' promise. But um, I suddenly had this realization. It, it came to me. You know, I, I can see the moment now, sitting strapped into that seat, that I didn't really want to go to heaven because it seemed so boring. And you know, I had these images that, as I said, I was a fairly new Christian. These images of heaven as being this place of, you know, you die and your soul goes to there without your body, and you kind of float around on mm. clouds, and there are angels with hearts and you know, if, if you looked at Baroque art, you know, these, these fat babies with wings <laughs> just, just floating around. And, and uh, you know, e even in church, people described it as you know, heaven, as, you know, we'll praise God forever. And, and that, to my mind, just brought, brought in these images of singing praise and worship choruses endlessly for eternity. And so basically so, rainbow straps and, and sandals and big yeah. long beards forever yeah yeah well apart from you don't have a body so there's no beard <laughs> oh yeah there. so you're basically floating around but, in a very sort yeah. of cheesy way yeah and i think the other thing that was really informative then was just also you know it's it's interesting we talked about you know you, you asked me about breakfast and and you know <laughs> eating and food and I, obviously there are terrible things that go on in this world you know, and, and real evil that is at work. But there are also, you know, wonderful good things in this world, you know, things we enjoy, like a good breakfast, you know, mm. or, or, or sitting in the beer garden in our favourite pub with the river going by, or, you know, a cup of coffee and, and a good book, a hug, you know, sex, all mm. these things that are part of our lives, which are good relationships, you know, and music. And, and, you know, heaven just seen this, sort of non-material faraway place which didn't have any of it there and I, I just had this feeling like well you know it, it just seems so boring I don't want to I don't really want to go there I love this life you know the good things in this life and, and then so that started off this whole train of thought about you know well what's wrong is maybe there's something wrong with me I'm just not holy or spiritual enough or maybe there's <laughs> You know this which which is you know is, is usually the case very often yeah. but um you know but or maybe this view of heaven is wrong as it being this mm. you know this pink fluffy cloudscape and this 
dematerialized place and and so that set off a whole train of thoughts and actually it first set off a prayer which is you know if I can encourage people who ask questions you know I I remember sitting on that plane in the same seat and I prayed Lord you know um, help me to want to go to heaven help Mm. me to long for it because because you know I I should do help me to long for it And I would say this book is really the answer to that prayer. And that's yeah. maybe 25, 30 years later. I'm not quite sure exactly. But, you know, I, I, I guess that, that encourages us because often understanding reality takes time, you know, and mm. energy and effort. And in a way, the book is talking about lots of bits of puzzle of the answer to that question that, that God mm. has, you know, has shown me over, over, over the last 25 years and that have fitted into place. And, and really the book is just sharing those things with, with readers. But I think that's, that's helpful in terms of you talking about your honest kind of origins to this. And, and, and as, as we know, many good questions and explorations start with that kind of honesty, don't they, in terms of yeah. just where am I at and what is, is there something wrong with me? Or, you know, how can I find out more about this? Have I got the right perspective of what heaven and earth is? And I think, I think that's what's... Um, really encouraging actually about what I've read in your book and what I've heard you talk about before Mm. because I think I think I think you're right we when we think about heaven if we're not sure of what it is um it has a lot of implications for how we live now doesn't it and I think um and I think that's very clear through your book as well Mm. and 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 in your book you talk about dualism Mm. as being Mm. a big influence on Christian thinking in regard to to heaven itself um so i thought it'd be helpful like what how do you describe what is dualism and how does it affect our our thinking about uh, heaven and earth like how does that sort of affect our thinking yeah i mean dualism just means it, it's it's just a kind of philosophical word for splitting reality into two parts um and so a dualistic worldview is when you yeah you, you split reality into these into two parts and there, there are various forms that dualism can take but the common form and, and the one I'm thinking about in in my book and I think that affects heaven and earth is where we you, you split reality into, into what you you might term and I don't think these are the proper terms but you could term it you know a spiritual dimension and a material dimension so there's this this spiritual world where God is and you know where heaven is and it's pure and perfect and holy and then there's the material world which is where we are and Mm. where the earth is and it's fallen and broken and sinful and dirty and messy and all those things um, and human and the spiritual world is divine and um, often what you get in the dualism is you get that the spiritual world is primary and and um you know the 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 higher and then the the earth is 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 secondary and is as i said lower and fallen and evil where evil mm. is and and things like so so reality gets split in this way and then the spiritual life within a dualistic worldview the spiritual life is interpreted as you must somehow transcend your earthly life and rise up you know to mm. a spiritual life in heaven yeah or however where however you conceive of that and so you have to leave behind you know your earthly desires yeah. unattached from your cup of coffee and you know sitting in your 
in your beer garden next to this beautiful river, unattached from all those things and really focus on this inner life of the soul because the most important thing is, is the soul's spiritual ascent to heaven. And um, I, you know, that worldview, I think many Christians actually do have that kind of worldview, but it's not Christian. Um, and it is found definitely in very many other religions. Um, and also actually, strange enough, in some, you know, in atheisms, the idea that, that you could extract your mind from your body and put it in a computer. <laughs> and so the hardware of your body can die, but yeah. you will still be in the computer it is, is a kind of dualistic view. It's a kind of mind body dualism. Um, and, and so, you know, in this dualistic worldview, they often have this idea that we start as a soul in heaven. We, you know, the soul gets sort of trapped in a human body for our mm. lives. And then if we've done the right spiritual things, when we die, our soul goes back to heaven. Mm. And many, many Christians have that kind of view. And I, I think it shows itself in, say, like a, a statement like, you know, Jesus died so that you can go to heaven. Mm. We'll look at that where maybe we can talk more about that. But I, I think that's mm. a kind of reduced statement, actually, because Paul, for example, in, in the beginning of Ephesians, tells us that the will of God, that his purpose in Jesus Christ is to bring everything in heaven and earth mm. under Christ. So the idea that Jesus died so you can go to heaven is a sort of, in a way, a sort of dualistic reduction of actually yeah. the gospel. Um, so it, it really affects our lives very deeply. And it's had a, it's had a profound you know, influence on, on Christianity mm. um, in many different ways. I, I can talk more about that, but you, you, yeah. you asked some questions if you, yeah, where yeah, you want to go um, with it. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think you're right. I think it is apparent in, um, how do I put it, a common view within Christianity. And maybe we've adopted this kind of understanding of dualism, you know, sort of spiritual and material yes. and spiritual, mm. non-spiritual, sacred, secular. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just as you were talking there about the soul, um, I don't know if you, have you seen the film Soul, the Pixar film? No, I haven't, no. Oh, right, no. okay. Well, that has to be put on the Labrie okay. discussion list. I'll, I'll note that down, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating film because it just raises a lot of questions about what a soul is. And so when you were talking yeah. there about dualism, mm. I think one of the premises of the film is that this guy's soul is removed and he's sort of in a holding station. It's gone, gone to sort of the wrong place <laughs> and he's heading towards this kind of light or a place that's unknown, mm. but wants his soul to return to earth in, in his body so that he can mm. um, revigorate his music career. And mm. I suppose just thinking about it, it's, it, you know, you see that dualism there because it's like yeah. his soul yeah. is sort of this entity in itself and yes. the body is there. Yeah. And actually, yeah. so, so it's like, yeah. I suppose a subsidiary question to that is what is a soul and, <laughs> and what, what, how does it relate to the physical? Cause I think from what you're saying, yeah. if we don't, if we yeah. don't believe in dualism, yeah. surely it's it, it should be all integrated shouldn't it so you, you yes, can't separate yes. 
in the body's no less than the soul and the soul's you know, not, not yeah. greater than the, the body it's yeah, yeah. Uh, am, am i on the right lines there or yeah yeah i like your word i think integrated is the key in in the christian worldview because i think in a dualistic worldview what you have is this idea is is the real me is my soul yeah. and the body is just this vehicle that i transition through this life in and then my soul mm. goes back to the join god in heaven or the divine in heaven um and that's, you know, that's a dualistic worldview, but, but the Christian worldview is very different because it starts off with God creating human beings with bodies. And as we read in Genesis, that is very good. Genesis 131, mm. you know, it, it's not like it's a mistake or somehow your pure soul is getting trapped in this material world. It's actually God meant us to be in this material world mm. um, that he created the earth and he placed human beings on the earth to care for the earth mm. he actually gave us the mission to look after the earth and care for it un under him and so we can only do that if we're embodied beings so yeah. we're not, we you know we are integrated soul and body and your body is just as much you as your mm. as your soul is and mm. I also think one of one of the confusions, I mean, this is to get a little bit more in depth, but, but one of the confusions is um, in the West, we've inherited a lot of Greek thought, Greek thinking from a, you know, Greek philosophy. And, and the Greeks were particularly interested in the substances that things are made from. Mm -hmm. And so um, because we've inherited that, we have this idea of the soul as being a substance but, but the Hebrew mind, the Jews and the Hebrew mind is, I think, and, and much more interested in the quality of what something is. Mm. So that perhaps the words like body, soul, mind, spirit are describing different qualities that make up our humanness rather mm. than different substances that make up our humanness. As if, as if kind mm. of, you know, take one bit of soul, one bit <laughs> of spirit, you know, mix it up and you get a human. <laughs> and you could take the soul out and that would be the real you and the body yeah. is just a vehicle but actually in the biblical worldview there's this integration these things are the, the different qualities so the soul might describe something you know that perhaps we could today might call our i don't know our personality or something like that or some but it's not describing a separate substance but just mm. one of the qualities of being human um i think that's interesting because the, how we understand what it means to be human and how all of those factors that you described are integrated definitely I think affects what we think of the earth and what we think of yeah. heaven as you're describing and we're going to unpack that a bit more but I think even yeah. just thinking okay what is a human and what, what makes yeah. up the qualities of a human um, yeah. and it's almost like if we take this idea that oh well being a human is a bit of a drag really isn't it it's what we really need to yeah. do it's kind of float yeah. off our soul needs to go to this place where we're singing worship songs mm -hmm. forevermore rather than actually oh you know we can enjoy coffee we can enjoy poached yeah. eggs we can enjoy music we can enjoy gardening you know um yeah. the earthiness and the physicality yeah. of yeah. what god has created us to be and and i think what what you said there helps us move mm. towards thinking mm. a little bit more about you know you've talked about reality is not only being the physical earth and, and spiritual heaven so we're not creating this, these kind of opposites but actually this yeah. entire created order um mm -hmm. and and in the book what i found helpful you 
there's a kind of link there in terms of created order and mm. God's will being done, you know? So I think yeah. Yeah. I found that really helpful because it's a little bit like, you know, when we hear about, you know, God's will be, your will be done, mm. you can almost sort of think of that as sort of either something you recite or, or it's something just has to be done, isn't it? You know, dutifully, mm. we better just do God's will or work out what that will is. But can you explain a bit more how that, that created order, order and doing God's will works together? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I, you know, just to back up a, a little bit, I, I think that, you know, being here on earth is exactly where God wants us to be. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, I, I don't think we're just waiting to go to heaven. I mean, that, that's the other thing that a lot of Christians have, and I, you know, well, I'm just waiting here to go to heaven and Jesus yeah. is, you know, he's the way I, uh, you know. I've landed I on the wrong heaven. planet, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like that. we're in the wrong movie. But, you know, the movie we are in is that God created us as embodied beings to be yeah. on the earth because he wanted us to do, this links to what you're saying just now, his will on earth. Mm. And um, the way I, I think of it is, it, if you think of heaven less as a place, and I, I think this is the way the Bible thinks about it. It's heaven, not so much as a place, you know, it's up there or out there somewhere in the universe, but as a dimension of reality, perhaps you could say it's almost the most fundamental dimension of reality. And, and what it is, the quality of heaven is, is it's where God's will is done. And this is why the Bible writers often talk about, you know, God's throne is in heaven. Mm. The idea that the throne is where the king rules from or the queen rules from, they rule from their throne, their word goes out and it's put into practice. Yeah. So heaven is, this, this the, is the dimension where God's will is done. And, and, and what God does in the beginning is, is he creates the earth and then he puts Adam and Eve on the earth in the garden. And, and the garden is this place where heaven and earth touch because it's the place on earth where God's will is done. And, and the creatures who, in a sense, almost you could say, this is why I called, first called the lecture of the boundary between heaven and earth. The creatures who are on the boundary between heaven and earth are us, human beings, mm. because we are the earthly creatures. But because we are made in God's image, we are made to carry out his will on the earth. And, and, and that's the mission that he gives humanity. So it's actually a wonderful, you know, really deeply meaningful thing. We're not just here by accident in the huge yeah. history of the cosmos. We're here because God wants us to make the earth a heavenly place mm. to actually to to. I talk about it in the book as extending like the, the Garden of Eden, the, the beauty and, and the um, integration and the fruitfulness of Garden of Eden over the whole earth. Mm. And that's that's the mission that God gave humanity. Um, so, yeah, it, it's and, and in a way we would do that, not through a special. This is where the integration comes in, not through sort of a special religious life, but just by being human. Mm. You know, we, we can bring this dimension of heaven into all the normal things of being human of, you know, because if 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 Adam and Eve needed to make the whole earth heavenly, they would yeah. have to have sex and have children. You know, they would need education and they would need buildings and architecture and they would need to trade things with one another and they would need to understand agriculture and animal husbandry and et cetera, et cetera. You know, all these things, all these things of human culture, they would need to make art 
their music, you know, as part of an yeah. expression of who they are, creative beings. So all these things are within the will of God. This is what God has wanted, uh, you know, wants us to do on earth. And of course, the story as we go on in the Bible is that, that, that when human beings reject God, they start to use these things for their own purposes. You know, all the things I just mentioned. Mm. And, and that's where, where, you know, the history of the, the human race goes wrong. Um, but, but actually, the, you know, in the beginning, the way that God set it up is this beautiful picture of human beings uh, being given this wonderful mission by God to make the earth a heavenly place. Mm. And, um, yeah, we can talk about, you know, the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. But I think that's the same mission that mm. he gives Christians to, to mm. you know, to make this now this fallen and broken earth into a heavenly place we can talk more about that in a bit but i think that's what the yeah. kingdom of heaven is as you were speaking there it made me think that you know if you think of created order and you think of doing mm. god's will in a sort of limited way of what we might call spirituality mm. as just being mm. prayer and reading the bible and mm. going to church i guess that's where understanding the will of god as you've described is it's really um, important because you get a greater totality of what it is to do the will of God. And I think maybe yeah. again, you know, as Christians, particularly from a sort of evangelical background, we can talk about doing God's will and think of what we might see as being spiritual, but it's a reduced spirituality yes. rather than yeah. you were yeah. talking. I mean, that, that's just so interesting talking about, mm veterinary or caring for animals yeah. <laughs> mm. you think mm. of, you know what you know you're being spiritual this week because you're caring for animals yeah. you, you're injecting yeah. cows and delivering calves <laughs> mm. yeah. just yeah. if you did a rough survey in church said what is yeah. it to be spiritual this, yeah. this yeah. week yeah. that wouldn't come up on the list you wouldn't it? get that would you and it's <laughs> it's it's fascinating that um that is a symptom of the dualism you know that's that split in our lives yeah. between I, I often ask people you know, tell me what are the spiritual activities of the Christian life and they say you know bible study prayer and attending mm. church and worship and maybe you know giving to the poor and then I say well what does that leave out and they think of oh work you know and uh sport <laughs> yeah. and literature unless it's Christian literature music oh, unless it's Christian music no <laughs> and uh relationships and family and education and academics and science you know it leaves all those things out yeah and you know, um, Francis Schaeffer, who started the Libri community, said, and I, and I think he's echoing, actually echoing Luther here, he said, all of life is spiritual, mm. except sin. Mm. All of life is spiritual. And so, you know, that's what God created us for. I was, I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, we, we were just chatting through this, and we, you know, I, I, I said, we don't, you know, God didn't create us for a kind of spiritual life. And then there's a secular life. He just created us for life. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that's an amazing thing. The dignity of being human in the everyday. Um, there, there, there's, you know, mm. wonderful things that people are writing. I can't remember the author, but um, uh, it's called, what's the book called? The Sacrament of the Ordinary or something like mm. that. You know, just looking at the way that. Um, yeah. You know, God is actually present and his will can be done in in just the small ways you do you do your normal life it's yeah. not a specialized spiritual thing yeah absolutely and I think that's why you know 
when reading books like yours and and others and as we talk about this and we think about this it's not just ideas for ideas sake because these ideas that we in the west right now in 2021 have adopted worldviews that have gone back to like plato and greek thinking Mm. and Mm. and it's almost if so if we're non-critical about these things we're not unraveling hold on a minute how Mm. do we get to think like this or am i thinking in a way that the right way about what the afterlife is and and that and that's the importance of you know what we're trying to do on the little breakfast i mean it's a tiny tiny fraction of what's going Mm. on in the world but i think as christians we need to be thinking not just i in a hypothetical way let's just ask questions you know to make us look clever or to ask questions for the sake of it but but we do need to grapple with Mm. what we've been talking about because I think it actually makes our life fuller, you know, yeah, like to, to yeah, think yeah. if somebody works as a doctor or they're, they're working as a nurse or they're, they're working as a, a truck driver. Mm. Oh, well, my life's not very spiritual. You know, it's very yeah. uh, encouraging, I think, to think, well, yeah. actually, no, the whole of life is spiritual and yeah. we do it for God's yeah. glory, don't we? Yeah. And I, that, that's absolutely right. I tell, I tell a story in the book about, um, uh, a, a, a man that I met, a very young man who worked as a you know parking enforcement officer, so handing out tickets to, for parking, and then and then he'd become a um, he was a Christian. He'd become a manager in a small department of uh, managing a, you know, a small number in a town of, of of parking wardens or you know ticket giving out tickets, and we just dis- discussed you know what what does it mean to bring the kingdom of heaven you know the will of god into this work yeah you know into this place and into your yeah. workplace and and i think that's the question we should you know we should always be asking ourselves is yeah. is is actually asking god to excite our imagination about how all the normal things that we do which are you know what god gave us to do on earth how we can mm. actually bring the dimension of heaven into that i think that's what jesus talks about in the sermon on the mount um you know bringing heaven what's it like when you bring heaven into the ordinary things of everyday life yeah. um so and, and one of the things he came up with and this might sound very strange but he said he he'd already thought about this question <laughs> he was a, actually a very profound thinker this guy and he said I'm in charge of this office. And what I did is I brought um, house plants, you know, um, indoor plants into the office. One of the things I want to do, because actually it was this room with no windows. Mm. And he said, and it was just horrible and, you know, utilitarian and ugly. And I think that we would be more human and more as God created us to be if, if I could bring something of beauty into mm. this environment. Yeah, and so he bought these some um, house plants and put them over there, and you know all the people in the office started caring for them and looking after them, and <laughs> it became a subject of sort of conversation, and yeah. and so that was just a little thing that that he did, you know, that spoke of who God is. Yeah, God, I was going to ask you, you know, I don't know if you call them that where you live, but they're called the Blue Meanies here the blue meanies oh right yes yeah and um yeah i was going to ask you how do you how do you yeah i suppose live for god's glory when you're called a blue meanie um but yeah putting plants in places and (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean in some ways you think actually that they're doing an important job in some way aren't they they're keeping you know 
traffic flowing and making order out of disorder or trying to keep order out of disorder yeah uh, you know it, it's anyway but there yeah it's it you know it's in in romans 12 paul says he says be transformed by so the way that our lives as christians are transformed by the renewing of your and then we might think you know spirit yeah we might think, oh the renewing of your spirit you know because yeah. we're christianity is about you know the spirit or the renewing of your soul but he says you know be transformed by the renewing of your mind and that you're exactly right that's where we have got to be questioning and thoughtful otherwise we can find that we just assume you know an outlook on life which is not actually uh you know from god and god's will and i, I think that's a massive mm. problem actually for the church in modernity today you know that we we just yeah. use all this this is another topic but we use all the same techniques yeah. of the world around us you know we we don't actually stop and say is that really what god wants us to do yeah yeah um, and i think also uh, jim it's a it's a big problem for um western society aside of the church when we you know we've got this kind of cancel culture going on and identity yeah. politics and you're not able to ask questions for fear mm. of actually being um called somebody you know a bigger or all kinds mm. of different names you know so i think we're living in interesting times when it comes to mm. questions and speech aren't we mm. Um, mm. yeah it's, it's it's a difficult time today and I think G.K. Chesterton called called Jesus. He called him the stranger who asks questions. <laughs> and uh, I love that. You know, there's many films, actually, when you watch them, there's this, you know, everything is just set up and kind of static. And then this stranger comes in yeah. who begins to ask questions. And uh, if we could be, you know, Jesus asks a huge number of questions himself. Doesn't mm. He often meets people's statements with a question. Yeah. So if we could be more people ourselves who ask questions mm. i think that's how you move into um yeah you move deeper into reality mm. um that's what my book's about you know that's yeah. i just started asking questions you know what is heaven and where is it and yeah. why hasn't science found it and uh <laughs> what has it got to do with our lives here on earth all those things yeah. you know, that's the basis of the book well that's a good link because the next question i was going to ask you is how does our view of heaven shape how we live now we've touched on that a little bit but you know, is there anything else to say on that in terms of specifically how does our actual view of heaven shape how we live now? Yeah, I think many, many worldviews and, and many Christians have this worldview that they're just waiting to go to heaven. And heaven is this, you know, distant place. We talked about this faraway place. And, you know, one day I'll escape the earth and, and get to heaven. Mm. But when I started to think about this book and read through the Bible with a kind of, you know, different set of glasses on, as it were, I began to see actually that the, the, the Bible nowhere has the idea of going to heaven. Mm. The Bible is actually all about God in his grace, bringing heaven to a broken and hurting earth. You know, that, that, that's the whole yeah. story of the Bible. And I talk about in the book how God is always opening these doors between heaven and earth. Um, and they could be, you know, uh, you might think of the burning bush or um, Jacob's ladder and obviously God coming um, to live in the temple and the tabernacle. And the whole point of the temple and the tabernacle isn't it's not about this kind of, you know, place where we enter it and we get zapped up to heaven. It's actually where God is present on earth and where his power then goes out to transform a broken and hurting earth mm. and to invite 
his people to be a part of that. And maybe we'll come on to it later and talk about how, you know, Jesus is you know, God present on earth, yeah. God with us. And, 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 and it's, you know, our lives now as Christians are an invitation to become a part of bringing heaven to earth um, and, and re- transforming things that are broken and hurting into things that are um, healing and life-giving. And we can only do that, in a sense, when we are filled by the power of heaven. That, and that, that's mm. what the Holy Spirit does. We can, we can say more about that later. So I, I think this idea of, you know, heaven is in a distant place. It's actually here mm. with us. When, when Jesus says, you know, he begins his ministry, he says, the kingdom of heaven is mm. near. Yeah. He doesn't say, you know, the kingdom of heaven is somewhere you'll get to when you die. He says yeah, it's near yeah. or it's here. Mm, yeah. And sometimes it's, he says it's amongst you or within you. Yeah. Um, so actually, if we can have that idea that this, the power of God in his kingdom is actually here amongst us and at work, that is transformative. Yeah. This is the end of episode one of What on Earth is Heaven? Think of it like you've had the porridge and the orange juice and the coffee, but you've got to go for round two at the buffet where you dig into the pastries. That round is coming up soon, so stay tuned and we'll give you some more to think on and eat on.